This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on up the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Leonis Martin with a walk-off. Two-run home run. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for being back once again. We have another good one for you today. We'll get to that in just a second. First, I want to lay out the schedule the next couple of weeks for the podcast. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be the only one this week. I'm on the road the rest of this week, uh, finishing up hoop season. Uh, So it's it's going to be tricky timing-wise. So I think this is going to be the only one this week. But next week, yeah, we're going to start doing our previews of other teams in the AL West. Start looking at Houston and Texas and Anaheim and Oakland as we really start to dial in next week. I mean, start counting down the days, right, till the regular season. We'll talk some WBC next week as well. That'll be fully going, checking in on with all the Mariners that are in it, dozen in it. So we'll talk about that coming up. Spring training continues. An off day yesterday for the Mariners, but they'll continue to go despite uh, the stars, some of the stars being away with the WBC. So a lot to get to as we get closer to the regular season beginning. So sorry, this is the only one this week, but I promise next week we're really going to start to get it going as we get closer and closer. Today's going to be a good one, though. We're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and that's bullpen. I enjoy talking bullpen theory. I enjoy talking bullpens because I think it's pretty interesting when you break down bullpens and talk to different people about how they would run a bullpen because really, I mean, everyone is a little bit different, I think, in how they would run a bullpen, whether going numbers, whether going feel, uh, when do you use this guy? When do you use your closer? How often? You know, that sort of thing. So I think it's pretty interesting to talk about bullpen theory. And we're going to talk about the Mariners' bullpen specifically and how it shapes up this year and how it compares to last year. So this is going to be a topic uh, not only for today, but I think uh, it's going to be a topic often. So here we go. Bullpens. Now it's time to talk some bullpens. Jake Melhot is with us once again, who has been writing something very interesting on LookoutLanding.com. And before we dive into it uh, too much, Jake, just kind of give an idea for people that haven't seen it, what you've been doing at Lookout Landing involving the bullpen. Yeah, it all started with uh, actually the Lookout Landing podcast. I was on there a few weeks ago, and we were talking through the Mariners pitching staff. And we came to the bullpen, and we talked about um, yeah, the, the different options in the bullpen. Um, and that got me thinking about, um, yeah, just the different, uh, philosophies of, for bullpen usage that have, uh, 
come up in the last few years. Um, and so I, I started a survey on Lookout Landing just to see um, what the uh, the community thought about um, how to use uh, the Mariners bullpen, and I came up with some really interesting um, results. That's the funny part about it. I, I think you could ask 100 people how to use a bullpen, and you probably get a 100 different answers, and you did get some different answers. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and <clears throat> there there's sort of this... Um, this split here that's um, it, come up in the in the last couple of years about whether um, the traditional bullpen roles like closers, um, setup man, uh, middle relief, uh, whether those are the the best way to utilize re- relievers, and um, and and seeing the way that um, Terry Francona used Andrew Miller in the World Series uh, this past year um, really brought that divide into stark contrast. Um, um, bringing Andrew Miller in, his best reliever in like in the, as early as the fifth inning, mm-hmm. uh, was really interesting. And I, I think it is really interesting. I, I love this topic of conversation because uh, there's a couple sides to it. One is I think you can look at the numbers and look at the evidence and say, yeah, that that is probably by the numbers an ideal way to use the bullpen. At the same time, you're dealing with human beings as well. You're dealing with routines. You're dealing with workloads, that kind of thing. The- so it's an interesting conversation about how to utilize a bullpen. Yeah, I think so. My background is in education and and in the classroom, consistency and predict predictability mm-hmm. are, are huge um, keys to success for students. And it's the same in the workplace too. If you know um, what your d- defined roles are and your responsibilities are day in and day out, it just makes your job a lot easier to complete. And that's no different for a major league re- reliever. Um, as if they if they understand what their roles are and and when they're gonna um, probably gonna come into the game, they can start preparing mentally and physically um, when when it's appropriate for them to start preparing, rather than just being thrown into a game um, without any sort of uh, preparation. Um, there's also a financial aspect to um, bullpen roles, right? The yeah. the arbitration process rewards relief pitchers who accumulate saves. And so there's an incentive for players to try and, and get into the ninth inning to accumulate those saves so that they can uh, maximize their potential earnings during their arbitration years. And it gives teams an incentive to install veteran closers, right, that that they've um, signed to contracts rather than installing young players who um, who haven't gone through the, the free agency process. It's just it's such an interesting dynamic, and I think a difficult one that managers, especially now with all the information that they have to try and work through. Yeah, it, it's uh, so I was reading some of Terry Francona's comments about mm-hmm. um, using Andrew Miller during the World Series, and and he he basically told Andrew Miller, "You need to be ready to go into the game as early as the fifth inning," yeah. and and that could mean going in the game in the fifth inning, or it could mean going in the game in the eighth inning. But that's like that's an uh, a huge amount of time that that Andrew Miller's like trying to prepare himself mentally, physically, um, without knowing exactly when he's going to go in. Um, and so, t- all credit to Andrew Miller for being that flexible and being um, willing to 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 be um, used in in any way that the that Terry Francona wanted. But not every relief pitcher is going to be able to do that the same way. And I think too, there's a difference between World Series playoffs, maybe even September baseball. And the rest of the season, I, I think it would be really difficult for a reliever, uh, not only not only mentally but also workload-wise, to try and replicate oh, sure. that sort of thing for an entire regular season. That would be tough. 
Yeah, if you, I mean, if you extrapolate the the like Andrew Miller's innings pitched in the World Series <laughs> to like an entire season, he would have pitched like 250 right. innings in the regular season, which is just unrealistic for a reliever, right? It's just um, completely crazy. So um, it's it's definitely true. Like it, managers have to manage their workloads um, throughout the season. Postseason play has has day offs all the time, and and so you're you're getting a, a lot more rest uh, more regularly. And even in September, you've got the increased um, roster size, and so you have a lot more um, just bodies in the in the bullpen to work through. Well, and as you point out too, one of the reasons it's, it works with Miller is you have Cody Allen at the back end, who's really a, a top uh, a top third closer for sure. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been he's been outstanding. So not every team could could get away with that sort of thing. I don't necessarily believe you have to have your best reliever as the closer, but if you're going to unleash a guy like Andrew Miller at the back, it works because you have Cody Allen, uh, Cody Allen back there. Yeah, definitely. And and even like the, the other set of men the Indians have on their team, like Brian Shaw or um, Zach McAllister, they, they're good enough that they can come in and after Andrew Miller and, and work through any jams that come up even though Andrew Miller's been spent earlier in the game. Um, and and you're, you're right, not every team has that luxury. Um, the Mariners certainly have a lot of great options in their bullpen, but they certainly don't have as many options as the Indians do. That's true, and it's funny. is I, I think every bullpen is different in how it shapes up. That's why I tend to think there's no hard and fast rule about how to work with a bullpen. I think you kind of deal with it from season to season with your personnel. And mm-hmm. at least the way the Mariners' bullpen shapes up, I actually think that Edwin Diaz works best as the closer in name when you look at some of the other arms and some of the other matchups you have. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I really do think that Diaz um, fits as, as our closer. And it, maybe it's even a, a modified closer, right? Maybe he comes right. in the eighth inning sometimes and gets a four or five out save um, if necessary. But And he's he's got the background to do that, right? He's, he's, he was mm-hmm. the starter in the minor leagues. So he's got the physical stamina um, to work as a, as a modified closer. Um, but I, yeah, I, his, his stuff is just so good. And uh, yeah, he just, he fits in the ninth inning he's got the the mentality for it the uh the drive for it and um and i, I can't think of anyone else in, in our bullpen who would who would fit better yeah because part of it is you have some real tough matchup guys you know with c especially against righties you can start mm-hmm. him in the seventh eighth inning and some with the other right-handed arms there as well yeah actually steve c is a is a really interesting guy he he would be a great option as sort of like a, a modified andrew miller type who, who could come in early in the game um and clean up any messes that happen in the in the sixth or seventh inning um and and actually even though i mean he's got that killer uh slider that is is uh really hard for uh, right-handed hitters to to hit he's actually has a, a higher strikeout rate against left-handed hitters, um, which should help him work through um, an entire inning, no matter who's who he's facing. Um, but but with the thing about Cichek is he doesn't have the stamina. He would only be able to handle an inning or so um, before he, we have to bring in someone else. And when you look at this murderous bullpen, I'm fascinated by some of the younger arms out of the pen, Altavilla, uh, Simmons, another mm-hmm. one. How do you think this bullpen shapes up heading into the season? Yeah, I th- so thinking about last year's bullpen, uh, Jerry Depoto and, and Scott Cervais, they dealt with a lot of injuries, right? Um, Joaquin Benoit was injured in spring training. Evan Scribner was it was injured in, in spring training. So I think they, they had this idea for a, a bullpen that they wanted to use, but they, they were just 
they couldn't implement it correctly because they, they were dealing with ineffectiveness and injuries. So this year, uh, Scribner's back. Um, we picked up a bunch of new guys like, like Simmons. Um, Altavilla's come up for the minors. Um, and I, I, th- I think what we, we're seeing is, is Jerry Depoto's collecting um, skill sets. And let me explain what I'm trying to say is uh, rather than filling roles like a, like trying to find an eighth inning setup guy or trying to find a, a seventh inning setup guy. He's, he's collecting um, players who have similar roles that are sort of inter, uh, interchangeable, right? When you think about like Nick Vincent and Evan Scribner and Casey fine, they're all fly ball guys who have really, really um, elite strikeout to walk ratios. Um, and, and Alta Villa and Shea Simmons and even Tony Zick, um, they're strikeout guys. They're, they're able to come in in the middle of an inning and, and clean up any mess that, that, um, that might pop up. Um, and they're, and those three guys are also ground ball guys. So if you need a double play, you can bring one of those guys in and, and get that double play. Um, and then you've got your left-handers, uh, Zipchinski and Pezos and, and Zach Curtis. Those are all options for, um, um, for the left-handed specialist, um, and which we didn't really have last year um, because Furbish was hurt and, and, and Nuno was, was pretty ineffective against uh, left-handers. Yeah, that changes the scenario because you're right. It was really tough to play matchup you know, in the 7th and 8th when they really didn't have mm-hmm. a lefty to go to to get a, a left-handed bat. Yeah, and, and I think last year we also saw um, there, was, there was just a lack of options for surveys to yeah. go to. Um, we we saw him leaning on Nick Vincent pretty heavily in the in the middle of the season, mm-hmm. and and we saw like at the end of the season Nick Vincent lost a lot of his effectiveness because he'd just been used so much um, earlier in the season. Um, we didn't have someone like Evan Evan Scribner um, who could come in and and play the same role as 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 Nick Vincent. Um, and so, yeah, there's just a lack of options. And so I think this year with the bullpen, it was um, just creating all of those options for, for Cervais to utilize um, in in any situation that, that might pop up in the, in the later innings and have multiple iterations of those, of those skill sets that he's able to use um, so he doesn't lean on one particular reliever over and over again. Providing health with everyone, what would, in your mind, the ideal Mariners bullpen look like this season? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, so, I, I yeah, I think Edwin Diaz is the uh, is the closer, mm-hmm. um, and, and I and I really think that um, Cishek could be used um, sort of in that Andrew Miller mold, where he's coming in um, in the in the in the most critical situations before the ninth inning. Um, I think uh, Nick Vincent and Evan Scribner, they're, they're really great pitchers. Um, but because of their problems with the home run um, earlier in their career, I, I think they're best used um, at the start of an inning. So maybe that's at the start of the eighth inning or the start of the, of the seventh inning. Um, but they're, they're, um, because they, their walk rates are so low, um, they're not going to be creating big rallies whenever they come in the game. And so if they do give up a home run, it's just going to be a solo shot. And, and that's not too bad of a of, of a trade-off um and their their strikeout rates are so good that that even if they do um allow a few base runners they should be able to get out of it and then um yeah dan altavilla and and shea simmons I, I like both of those guys um as sort of uh your firemen who come in um in the middle of a of a of a rally and and kill it um and i, I hope that tony zick comes back um healthy i i really like his stuff um and so he's just one of those 
um, another options that you can you can stash in, in AAA and, and call up when needed. Um, and then as far as lefties go, Zipchinski is his he's been one of the best um, relievers against left-handed batters in the game for the past couple of years. And so, yeah, I think he's he's just your option um, uh, against lefties, and and that's all you need to use him for. You don't need to uh, have him face righties or or anything else. Just just go after those lefties. Right. I mean, bullpens, you never know season to season, but on paper, how do you think it shapes up this season compared to last year? Oh, I think it's a lot better. I think, um, yeah, Edwin Diaz just changed everything last year. And um, the fact that he was in, in, in installed as the closer and that meant that freed up Steve Shushek to come in as a setup man. I think um, that alone makes this year's bullpen uh, far away better than, than what we started with last year. And even the health of, of Evan Scribner, um, yeah. I I think he's he's a really underrated guy that is going to um really impress. I mean, last year when he when he was healthy for those for the last few um games in September, um he was he was great out of the bullpen for us and um yeah, I'm really excited about uh Altavilla. I mean, he's shown some really really um great progress uh, last year. Um and he I mean he didn't really impress in his in his brief call up in September but he's got the stuff he's got the slider to uh to be a really killer um uh reliever for the Mariners. Well Jake good stuff as always. Thanks for coming on again. It's always fun to talk to you. I, I recommend checking out lookoutlanding.com. Follow the series because I bullpens I think are such a fascinating conversation because I, I really think it, it it's such a balance of working the numbers and working the human side of things as well, which makes the conversation, I think, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on, Gary. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you soon. Mariners 3, Giants 1 as we open things up here in the top of the fourth. Travis Ishikawa to begin things, and it's a real treat, a real pleasure to be joined by a man who is in, well, many Hall of Fames, but the voice of the Giants, John Miller. John, thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, here's... One of your guys, one of your hometown guys, uh, Travis Ishikawa. And outside of San Francisco where Travis made his legend, winning the pennant for the Giants with that big home run, the the Bobby Thompson moment, Mm -hmm. second Giant in in history to win the pennant for them with a walk-off homer. Outside of San Francisco, I think Seattle was the the place where that resonated the most. Yeah, grew up in Federal Way, went to high school there. And he's up, by the way. I know this is radio, <laughs> and the count goes to three and zero. Oh. Yeah. Oh, we're, John, we're we're willing to put that aside for now. Uh, John, what have the last, well, I suppose the entire five years, but especially the three of the five, what have those been like for you, watching all the games and calling the games for the Giants? It's been a magnificent run. Well, we're as he takes ball four, and Ishikawa leads off with a walk here against Iwakuma. Casey McGee will come up. We've kind of gotten used to the whole winning thing, you know, <laughs> getting into October and winning in October and whatnot. And and really, I hate to say it, but in, in the years when they haven't won it now, those two years in the last five, we're really kind of down about those years. <laughs> and those are the odd years where you don't win. Dave Fleming, my partner in radio, Mike Kruko, Dwayne Kuyper on television side. Uh, we whine a lot in those years, let me tell you. <laughs> First pitch to McGee. He swings and slices it down the right field line. Long run there for Smith, and it's a foul ball. Strike one to Casey McGee. But I think the uh, the, the Giants, who have a, such a long history, uh, they were born in New York in 1883. This will be the 133rd season of Giants baseball. And the San Francisco Giants, 
fully embrace their New York heritage, their New York roots. Uh, each season after winning the World Series, uh, they went to New York in, in the following January for the New York Baseball Writers Dinner where uh, somebody was going to receive a, a trophy and an MVP award or the postseason MVP, whatever. And they take the, the World Series trophy with them to New York uh, because there are still Giants fans in New York after all these years. Owen pitch swinging a ground ball through the left side. Seeger went to his left to try to stab it, but instead it rolls into left field where Ackley finds it. Ishikawa into second base, McGee to first. But it's a really coast cool. Coast-to-coast team. I always thought it was kind of a cool story because the first year they did it back in 2011, Willie Mays went back. And part of the, the deal was that he was going back to the old neighborhood where the polo grounds used to be, the old home of the Giants for many, many years. And, uh, and Willie lived near the ballpark when he first got there and used to play those pictures you would see of Willie Mays playing yeah, stickball stick with the kids. That's yeah. where he did it. So they had a, a, an assembly set up at the local public school there, and uh, they had all studied, all the students in the school studied who Willie Mays was and wrote papers about him and then all got a chance to meet Willie Mays. And uh, so Willie and the trophy and the Giants went back to, and sort of, Paraded around New York, and, and, and they, you know, they called the Yankees oh. and the Mets and said, would, would you mind if we did this? And they said, no, 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 please go ahead. And that first year, then 2011, you know, Buster Posey had come on in May of that year for the minor leagues and helped the Giants get better and helped them get to the World Series. And Willie said Buster Posey kind of reminded him of him because that's the way it happened with Willie back in 1951. The oh. Giants were not doing that well. They brought up Willie. Almost the same date as Posey came up. Really? And, of course, in 51, they ended up on Bobby Thompson's fabled home run, winning the pennant, going to the World Series. And then Willie saw Posey and the things that he did and the way he elevated the ball club. He says, wow, uh, there's something familiar about this guy. I'm sorry, the, uh, Justin Maxwell's the hitter, uh, Rick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going, buddy. We love listening to you. But, uh, Those are great stories. Uh, the Giants had a meeting with all these old Giants fans. There's, there's still a two different New York Giants baseball fan clubs that's been passed along from father to son down through the generations. And the Giants took the World Series trophy and Willie Mays and Buster Posey over to meet with these people. And they said that they wanted to do a little interview with Buster. And Willie said, oh, I'll handle that. Really? He wanted to interview Buster because he thought he knew just what to ask him because he's Willie Mays and he was the last guy who burst upon the scene the way Buster Posey had for the Giants. Uh -huh. so, so that's part of the fun with the Giants, I think, too, is that they have that kind of a, a history and a tradition and a heritage. And well, Willie still hangs out with the ball club at spring training, doesn't he? We, we, he didn't make it this year because he's, uh, he, he injured himself. John, please take over. That one is hit about 40 miles to, down the left field line. It's headed... For the Grand Canyon, a three-run homer for Justin Maxwell right down the left field line. And uh, we appreciate you not sounding too enthusiastic. You're kind of right down the middle of the road there. That's very impressive. <laughs> Maxwell absolutely crushes that pitch. It's a three-run shot that gives the Giants the lead right back. Four to three, San Francisco. Didn't mean to throw you into that uh, mid-flight of the ball there, John. That, uh, it, I was so speechless there for a moment because... That, how far did that one go? A long way. That's it landed on one of the white umbrellas out there. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven umbrellas out there. It landed on the farthest one back. Long home run by Maxwell. The kid's strong. So that's only his second home run. Trying to win a job with this Giants club, and his ability to do things like that is why they brought him in. 
and they haven't seen a whole lot of that so far from him this spring. So that was it. That was a big fly. Very impressive. And Andrew Susak, one of the Giants prospects out of the minor league system who did a great job coming up for the minors last year as a backup to Buster Posey. And uh, he was a great addition to the ball club. And he, he quickly has two strikes facing Iwakuma here. John, There's a called strike, and now a swing and a miss, strike two. Okay, go ahead, Derek. There it's dirty. No, 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 no. You don't pass a torch like that with, uh, with in this inning. Uh, you know, John, we were talking about Bruce Bochy and how at this point with what he has done World Series-wise with San Francisco and the pennant with San Diego, he's a, a virtual lock whenever his time is up uh, managing to, to enter the Hall of Fame. What's it, what's it like being around Bruce Bochy every day? Well, oh, Iwakuma rings up Susak looking, a called third strike, a little, maybe a little slider on the outside. And uh, so there is one away. This this game has gone south since you guys invited me over. <laughs> you got this play-by-play thing done. Yeah. By the way, 4-3 to three Giants here in the fourth inning as Juan Perez comes up. Uh, Bruce Bochy, and and he is he's kind of like a, a – You'd have to have uh, bring John Wayne back from the grave probably to play him <laughs> if there was the Bruce Bochy story like in a that. movie. Yeah. Because Bochy, you know, he's what, about 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six. He's huge. And uh, and he has that kind of a voice. You know, he's got yeah. that southern kind of a cowboy-type voice. And, uh, Boch, what's wrong with this ball club? We need to be better. We <laughs> know it. And I may have to <laughs> kick a few guys around here to – Get us out there and do our job better. And, <laughs> that's, and that's the good. way he talks. He you know, does he, talk like that, doesn't he? Uh, so, uh, but I think the, the players really enjoy playing for Although sometimes uh, he's intimidating because he just by his, this, his very size. How's he feeling? I mean, he had a heart issue earlier this spring. He had a couple of arteries that were yeah, blocked it, it, uh, cleaned up. He had a, a real frightening uh, day there. He was feeling very poorly. They took him to the hospital. He started having the chest pains. And I think they, they, they called it, uh, they, they did two heart stents. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in not a, the, the big surgery with the bypass, but the stents kind of do the same thing. to open right. up those, open uh, up. Uh, whatever clogging was there. He says that his wife is with him now every moment that he's away from the ballpark. Sort of, and I was like, what do you mean? He, basically, when it's time for dinner or yeah. breakfast, uh, she's there sitting around. And he says, she does an order for me, but she might as well. Who <laughs> just missing to uh, Juan Perez? John, I'm gonna just just so we're clear on something. I'm not going to do any more play-by-play here. So if if there is oh. play-by-play to be had, John, oh, this is your it, inning. It will come from yeah. you. Oh, your yeah, inning. That's oh, what I was yeah. Saying. I kept wanting. Well, to you know, we're not we're not we're, no, not, no. we're not very possessive here in the no. Seattle booth. We, John, yeah, yeah. Not like San Francisco. Whoever wants you know? to talk yeah. can talk. It's whatever. It just kind of anything yeah. goes. It's the Northwest. You know, it's flip-flops and cut-off shorts. John. Well, what happened there, John? Oh. Uh, Iwakuma throws and a swing and a miss. He struck him out. <laughs> All right. Uh, two down and Ere Adrianza will come up for the Giants. But uh, Bochi uh, says he immediately felt better. They, they did the procedure, the stance. They told him he shouldn't go back for to the – and the games had not started yet this spring. It was very early in the spring. and uh, But he, he said it drove him nuts. He said uh, almost gave me a heart attack having to just – Sit around doing nothing for three days, but uh, he says he feels he feels great, and he said it was kind of a a good warning to him uh, that yeah. maybe some things were in, in uh, 
underway that that could have been real serious for him. So so he's eating better, and he says he feels great. He looks great. There's a fly ball into left, and under it is Ackley, former first-round draft choice out of University of North Carolina, and he makes the catch. Say John, the, we're, we're willing to hit that ball. Say that guy's name. We're trying to figure it out. Ere Adrianza right. has <laughs> gone down. John, Kevin's pulled out his wallet. He's willing to pay you twice if you come back in the bottom of this inning. Can you stick around, or do you need to get back to San Francisco? Yeah, see, if, see if I can get three Please. more for the Mariners now. All righty. We appreciate uh, that. We're back with John Miller. Giants have taken the lead. It's 4-3. to three. See you later! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 